Good morning. It's good to be here with you this morning. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you that you anoint the words of my mouth to speak forth the very words that need to be said this morning in this house with this group of people. Father, I also ask that you would anoint the ears of the listener, that they may tune into your voice and hear exactly what they need to hear. Father, that their takeaway today would be the very information that they have been praying for and seeking for and asking you about. And Lord, I thank you that you, Jesus, you are exalted in this place. Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. So you have no rival, you have no equal, now and forever you reign. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the name above all names. And that name is what? Jesus. The name above all names. At every name, at the name of Jesus, every name, every knee must what? bow. The name of sickness, the name of disease, cancer, allergies, all illness, all problems, all challenges. There may be those in here today that sickness is not a challenge that you're facing, but some other challenge is. Challenge is challenge, okay? But we're going to talk about healing today, but there's healing many different ways. There's healing physically, there's healing mentally. There's healing emotionally. I've, I've never seen a day in my 55 years of so many people dealing with things that they've never dealt with before. There seems to be an onslaught of people that are dealing with all kinds of things that I've never seen before. So that tells me something. I think the enemy knows the time and the season that we're living in. And so he's throwing all he can at people, especially the body of Christ. And what are we going to do? We're going to stand up because the Lord has given us the word. Jesus has already paid for healing on the cross, hasn't he? So let's look at that today. So this is the third week of healing I think the first week was God is a good God, or he's a good, good father, and it is his will to heal. That was the first week. The second week was God's provision to heal. And this week is called Yes and Amen. Amen. The promises of God are yes and amen. And we sang about that this morning. Sharita sang that song, Standing. We're standing on the promises of God. That's what we have to do. We have to stand on his word and not move. Amen. Amen. So in 2 Corinthians 1.20, it says all of the promises of God are yes and amen. amen. You know, when God says yes, he means yes. He doesn't vacillate. He doesn't go back and forth. He doesn't change his mind. He doesn't say, yes, I'm going to give you healing. Wait a minute. You haven't been good enough. I'm going to change my mind. His yes means yes. And our yes to his promises should be what? Amen. amen. What does amen mean? Amen. So be it. Amen. Man, I got smart people in the house today. That's right. It means so be it. So he says yes to the promises and we say amen. Amen, amen Father. That is for me. 
So, will he heal you? Yes. yes. Will he supply your needs? Yes. yes. Does he hear us when we pray? Yes. 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 Will he give you direction? Yes. Will he set you free and deliver you? Yes. Absolutely, emphatically, yes. Amen. Yes. So the promises of God are already done. They're already finished. It's part of the finished work that Jesus provided on the cross, right? So because of the blood of Jesus, we can say, amen, so be it. When we say amen, we are agreeing with his promise. And that's what we have to do. We have to get in agreement with this word. We have to walk in alignment or in sync with the word. Now, I have to tell you up front, there is no formula for healing. There is no formula. We just do the word. And if it isn't made manifest in the natural, we keep standing on the word. And if it hasn't manifested in a week, two weeks, two months, if it's six months, a year, what do you do? You keep standing. You don't move. You don't change your position. This is a position. It is a lifestyle. You don't move. You don't move. You can't move because you've got to be sure, though. You've got to be sure. There are some prerequisites here, okay? Um, God has promised us healing, and he's faithful to keep his promise. But we've got to be faithful and consistent in our part, in our responsibility. So let's look at 3 John chapter 2. 3 John chapter 2. It says, Dear ones, I pray that you may prosper in all things... And be in health just as your soul prospers. I want to prove to you that it is God's will that you are healed. That you are prosperous. And I'm not talking financially when I say prosperous here. I'm talking prosperous spirit, soul, and body. What's your soul? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. God doesn't want people with um, mental illness. He promises us a sound mind. Right? He promises we don't have to vacillate. We don't have to waver. We don't have to be sick, right? So, prosper here isn't monetary. It's intended for every area of your life, of my life. Like I said, emotional, material, physical, and spiritual. We could say it like this if we rephrased it in a modern-day version. It's not the message version. It's kind of my version. Dear ones, I pray that you would be healthy and balanced in your spiritual life, in your physical life, and in your soul, in your mind, and your emotions. So God wants us to be healthy. Because when we're healthy and we're whole, then we can go about doing what he wants us to do. Right? Look at 1 Peter 2.24. Now, this is actually Peter's quoting um, the prophet Isaiah here. And he says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the cross, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. So that's past tense, right? So we've already been healed. Jesus paid for that on the cross. The message says, By his wounds became your healing. 
And the NIV says, by his wounds you have been healed. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 17, Matthew also quotes Isaiah, and which was pointing to Jesus because when Isaiah was talking about Jesus, it was prophetic, right? Jesus hadn't been born yet. But he said that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Hallelujah. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. So that needs to be settled in your mind that he already paid for your sickness, for your illness, for any kind of distress. What is distress? It's stress on you, stress on your body, stress on your mind. But he already paid for that on the cross. Now, how do we walk that out, right? How do we walk that out when it is hitting us, when it is, you know, one after the other? How do we walk this out, okay? Feed to flow. Feed to flow. What does that mean? As we feed on his word, life and health flow into our body. Romans 10, 17 says what? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing what? The word. You know, that's also true in the natural realm. Anything that you hear, let's say it's not the word. If you listen to the news on and on and on, what do you begin to have faith in? What they're saying. Right? Whatever you listen to, and you listen to, and you listen to, and you listen to, you begin to place faith and confidence in that. So it's very important what we listen to. Right? Because what goes in here goes down here. What you, what you put in your ear gate goes down into your... I'm, I'm pointing here, but we, we point here when we say our spirit. Right? And then it becomes what you believe. And then you respond and you react and you live out of what you believe because that becomes your reality. Right? And that's what's real to you. Well, it's real to me. Well, what if it's not truth? There are facts that are factual, and you can't argue with them because they are factual. But is it something that can change by the truth? We have to remember the Word of God is truth. There are things that are going on in people's bodies. There are things that are going on in people's lives that are factual. Okay? We're not into denial. I am a faith woman. I am a charismatic, Holy Ghost-filled woman. And I'm not ashamed of that. But I don't live in denial. I'm not going to let... Faith doesn't deny what's factual. But if it's contrary to what the the word says that truly belongs to me, then I'm going to use my faith and speak the word and change that. If it's not something that really belongs to me, if Jesus says, I provided healing, I provided financial uh, prosperity, okay, if that belongs to me, then I want to change my circumstance. And I can with the word. It's not about my abilities, not about my intellect. It's not about all me. It's about what the Word says. We've got to live according to the Word. So, 
This is also true in the natural feed to flow. Um, when we take in nourishment from the natural, what? We, no fuel or no food, no fuel, right? So when we feed our natural body, then we have fuel to keep going. If we don't feed ourselves, then what we grow weak and we'll pass out. The same thing goes with our spirit. Your spirit's got to be fed. If you don't feed it, it's going to be weak. And so when the challenges come, you don't have anything within you to stand because you're weak. So we've got to feed ourselves on the word and make ourselves strong. So when those times come, and they will come, they come to all of us. We don't live in this super spirit bubble where no problems come to me. No. They come. And sometimes they're heavy and sometimes they're very mean. But we have to know the word, stand on the word, and those situations. And they can turn around. Amen? Amen? So, no spiritual food, no spiritual fuel to run or to give out to others. So, let's look at Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 22. And I really want to kind of dissect uh, something in Proverbs chapter 3 and chapter 4. And you guys have heard this. You guys have know this scripture. I bet everybody in here could quote this scripture. But it says, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Isn't that awesome? Does that bring peace to you? Let that bring peace to you right now. Father, I ask that that verse just bring peace to your people. The message version says this. Dear friend, listen well to my words. Tune your ears to my voice. Keep my message in plain view at all times. Concentrate. Learn it by heart. Those who discover these words live. They really live. Body and soul, they're bursting with health. Isn't that great? I love that. They're bursting with health. There's conditions there, though. The last line of that verse says, For they are life and health who find... It's life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. But we've got to do the stuff that's before that. So let's look at that. Give attention. If the Word of God says, Give attention, that must be something that's very important that I need to give attention to. Right? I should listen... Take it to heart. I need to focus on it. I I need to, like, make it a priority. It shouldn't be secondary, right? Incline. Incline my what? My ear. What does incline mean? It means to bend towards. You know when someone is talking to you really softly and you can't hear what they're saying? What do you do? You bend down to hear them. Or you say, can you talk a little louder, please? Speak up. But you bend down. Let's just say it's someone, you know, sitting down and they can't get up. You bend, your, you bend down to them. You go to them. 
you go to them and bend your ear where you can hear what they're saying, right? That's what we have to do. We have to make ourselves available to God. We have to make time for Him. He's, yes, He's with us wherever we go. But we're going all the time. We're going. We're going here. We're going there. We're, we're, we're doing this. We're doing that. We're doing and going all the time. Are we not? And that's okay. But God says, stop and be still. Be still. Be still and want know that I am God. He wants to make himself real as your healer, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah your provider. He wants to make himself real to us, but it's hard for him to do that in our going and in our doing. So we have to be still so he can make this real. So we have to incline, bend towards, turn towards, stretch. We have to tweak Sometimes there's a lot of voices going on, isn't there? So we have to tune, fine tune our hearing to his voice because there's a lot of voices coming in. Don't let them depart. That means don't let them out of view. Keep them close at hand. Keep them where you can see them all the time. And I love this word keep. It means to guard and to preserve, to protect, to watch over, like a sentry. You know, like a guard. What, what does a security guard do when he's been given charge over something? What does he do? He guards it with his life. He even has a sidearm, right, to protect whatever he's protecting. We've got to do that with the word. It is a priceless treasure. And once it's sown in our heart... The devil wants to come and steal immediately the word that's been sown in your heart, right? That's why when you walk out of here today, life happens. Conversations happen. Kids happen. Stuff happens. But it's going to be a distraction to try to steal the word that he's sowing in your heart right this minute. Don't let him steal it. Because you're going to need it. The Hebrew word of life here, okay, we're still back in Proverbs 4 with the 20 through 22. Um, For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. This word life means to remain alive, to sustain life, to be quickened and revived from sickness. This is the Hebrew meaning of this word life, okay? Uh, to be revived from discouragement, from weariness, and from death. To restore, cause to grow, and refresh. Isn't that good? So God is talking about from death to life. From your deathbed to living abundantly, vibrantly. And then the word health means a healing cure. A healing cure from something incurable. That is the Hebrew definition. When I read that, I was like jumping up and down. Because so many people are dealing with incurable things. Well, there's no cure for this. Well, there's no cure for that. There may not be in the natural. But God says, 
these things are possible. What is impossible with man is possible with me. Amen? You guys, we either have to believe this or not. And if I'm stereotyped for being crazy and charismatic and a nutcase, I don't care. I'll be a nutcase for Jesus. Right? Because there's a hurting world out there, and they need somebody to stand up and say, hey, can I pray with you? Right? Somebody's got to have the answers. The church has got to rise up and be strong. You know, Jesus ain't coming back for a sick church. He's not coming back for a pathetic, weary church. He's not coming back for, you know, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just tired. You just have no idea what's been coming against me. You just have no idea. No, honey, you have, you have no idea what's been coming against me. We all got something coming against us. We going to do the word or not? We've, we have to. We're in a do or die place. So I'm going to do and live. And I want y'all to come with me. Okay? So from these Hebrew meanings, we can see that the word is going to bring life. It will sustain life. It will quicken. It will restore. It will take death and breathe life into it. Hallelujah. So when we feed on the word, faith grows and life and health flow. When we feed on the word, faith grows and life and health will flow. Now I want to look at Proverbs chapter 3. Many times we use this verse right here to encourage people who are um, looking for direction in their life. You know, we write it in the cards to the seniors and things like that. But when I read it, I saw healing here. And I was like, wow, I I really never appropriated healing with this particular verse. But it's just awesome. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Revere and honor the Lord and depart and walk away. Avoid. Get away from those who would feed you information that is distressful, that is negative, that is contrary to the word. And it will be health to your flesh and it will strengthen your bones. Now that was called the Shanene version. My name is Sheila Renee. So I have my, my, my fun name is Shanene. So what I did was, I think that's the amplified, and then I, I wove in some of the Hebrew meanings of that word because I just liked what it says. Because in, in the King James and the New King James, it says, stay away from sin. So I looked up sin because, like, Christians, we don't go around sinning. So what does that mean? And that's what it means. When you dissect that word in Hebrew, it doesn't mean, you know, smoking and drinking and cussing. It means stay away from anything that's distressful or negative or contrary to the word. I'm serious. That's what it means in Hebrew. So we've got to stay away from that stuff. And what's the result? It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Hallelujah. So how many times do we rely on our own diagnoses of things? 
or we run to the WebMD, or our friends to determine what's going on. But it says don't lean to your own intellectual ability or your knowledge. We can't rely on our own understanding for things. It says trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. A lot of you in here have a lot of experience, but you can't lean on your own experience for some of the things that you're facing today. You've got to get in the presence of God and let Him download His understanding. He has a higher understanding of things than we do. He has a higher knowledge of things than we do. And he, it could be something similar, but unless we get in his presence and we get his wisdom on it, we won't see what we need to see. We won't hear what we need to hear. So, we cannot be so smart in our own eyes, right? And we have to acknowledge him. So there are some action items, as I call them, in this verse. In other words, there's things that we have to do to reap that blessing or that benefit, right? So trust. We have to trust. It means confidently believe without a shadow of a doubt. We have to lean not, which means we can't find support and rely and depend on and cling to our own understanding. And when we acknowledge, it says acknowledge him, we recognize him. We accept him that he is almighty. He's our savior, but he's our Lord, which means he's master over my life. I have to accept that. I agree with it. And be not wise. We've already said that. We can't think that we're so smart. Right? So I want to caution you. Also, don't be so quick to give medical advice or counsel to others based on your experience. Okay, no matter how professional it might be, that's placing you as God in their life. Okay, if you need to go to the doctor, go to the doctor. Doctors are good. They're anointed by God. All right. Pray. Find the doctor. Tell him where you stand. You, you need to be forward. And you need to be bold and say, I am a born-again Christian. Here's what I'm believing for. Get him in agreement with you. Or maybe it's an opportunity for you to share Christ with him. But we don't want to place ourselves as God in people's lives because, you know, we go to each other or we post things on Facebook or we'll just talk on the phone and, well, this is what I would do or whatever. Just be cautious, okay? Just be cautious because we don't want to put ourselves in a place where that person would listen and they really needed to go to a doctor and get medical advice. Okay? And God. They need to go to God. If you go to the doctor, you still, you've got to have God in there. You've got to have the Holy Spirit in there. Amen? So the word is truth, but you've got to settle that for yourself. You've got to settle it that the word, this is truth. Somebody may have cancer, and that's factual. That's factual. You can't argue with it. You can see it. That's factual. But this is truth, and truth can change the facts, right? So look at this. Psalms 119, verse 160. 
It says the sum of your word is truth. The full meaning of all your precepts. So everything from Genesis to Revelation, it's truth. The word of God is truth. And every one of your righteous ordinances endures forever. Psalms 119 verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. It stands firm and it's unchangeable. You know, that's, that should be comforting to us. This word never changes. Right? In Hebrews it says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's in the past. He's in the present. He's in the future. And he's the same. Sometimes we kind of change, right? But he is stable. He is stable. And the more we get into this word, we become stable. The more word you have inside of you, it will stabilize your life. It will stabilize your emotions. We cannot be an emotional church or people or believers. We've got to be led by the Spirit of God. Right? Stable. Isaiah 48. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Forever. 1 Peter 1.25 But the word of the Lord, his divine instruction endures forever. And this word is the good news which was preached to you. Endures forever. That means that there's nothing that can change it There's nothing that can remove it. There's nothing that can take the meaning away. It it is eternal. The word of God is eternal. So you have to settle that for yourself, though. This has to be truth, a final authority on everything in your life. This has got to be your manual for life. And, when, and, so, and so when challenges come, you can say, well, okay, I thank you for that. Yes, that is, that is factual, but I'm going to go to the truth. Okay? So once you've got this settled, okay, then it's settled. But you've got to set non-negotiables for your life. I believe that there are some things you've got to have settled in your mind and in your heart. Or, as I said, they're non-negotiables for you. There are non-negotiables for me. And when we face challenges, you've made your your place. You've made your position. And it's a place. That is a place. It is a place. You have to know and believe that God loves you. You know, there's nothing that you can do, and we can find this in the Word, there's nothing that you can do that would separate you from God's love. I think in some of the words we even sang that this morning. Nothing can separate us. Nothing. But that's got to be solid in you. I think the second thing is 
that the Word of God, what I just said, is your last and final authority on everything in your life. It's the opinion of all opinions, of all diagnoses. It has supremacy over everything that is said or spoken to you. This has got to be supreme. First place. And number three, you have to set your heart and mind to be steadfast and not be moved off that place of what you believe no matter what it looks like, what it feels like, how long it takes. It's a mindset that you will not budge. It is a position. It, it is a place. And, and you're there and, and you don't move. The way you make that decision is by the word, though. You can't make it through your intellectual mind. Okay? It is a spiritual decision that is made by the Spirit through the Word. Because my smarts, my intellect, they have an end. They're not so much. But with God, when I put the Word with what I am, He makes it supernatural. He makes it abundant. He makes it what it needs to be. You understand? So, I make a decision. I'm going to stand for healing. When my nephew was born at 27 weeks, we, my family made a decision. We were going to stand because they said he was going to have cerebral palsy. He was going to have this and that. He'd be a vegetable and this and that and the other. and All these things. We had to stand. We said, okay. We came together. We said, okay, what are we believing for? You have to talk about it. What, am I belie- what can you believe for? Right? So we stated what we could believe for. Does it line up with the word? Yes. Did it always look like that? Was it just this increasing glory to glory to glory to glory? No. No, it wasn't. There were some setbacks. There were some bad news. There were some problems. That's what keeps you in this place when you don't move. Because the bad reports come. The things come that are contrary to what you're believing for. But you don't move. Because either this is truth or it's not. It's either truth or it's not. Okay, now here's something. If, oh, I've got to tell you the end of the story. So he just graduated from high school last year. There's nothing wrong with him. He went to, he's going to college. He feels like he's called to the ministry. And there's nothing wrong with him. He's perfect. He's not anything that they said he was going to be. Okay, so what if you do that and someone dies? Let's just take it there because we're all thinking it. 
You're believing, you're believing, you're believing it's truth. But they die. Does that happen? It happened to my uncle. And he, God used him in healing. He laid hands on so many people and they were healed. He laid hands on a blind woman and she could see all kinds of things. And he, and he passed away from cancer. Now, this has been a long time ago. But we had to decide, I'm still not moving. I'm still not moving. I'm still not moving off what I believe because it's truth. There were things that we didn't understand and we don't understand on, on this side. I can tell you, I think he got tired. I think he got tired and he just said, you know what, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I think he got a little glimpse of heaven and he was like, that looks a little better. <laughs> looks a little better. And so, and you know, he was mature in age, okay? So it wasn't like he was very, he, was, he wasn't young. But sometimes that does happen. And you can't let it rock your world. Your faith and trust have to be in the word. Amen? That's not what I want to talk about, okay? That's not the, the, the direction I really want to go. But sometimes it's not answered like we want. It's not. But it's still got to be okay. It doesn't change God. It doesn't change his word. And it can't rock our world. We've got to be stable. You see, the, the world is moved by every wind of Doctrine, they're moved by every wind of this and that that they hear. God is looking for a stable people who will be stable and immovable no matter what happens. That's got to be us. Amen? Okay. So this is a positional statement that I'm going to make. The word is higher, is a higher truth and is powerful enough to change what is currently factual. That's a positional statement. Okay? Let's look at Abraham. I love to talk about Abraham. Abraham had some non-negotiables in his life. If you will, go with me to Romans chapter 4 and let's look at verse 19 and 20. I'm going to read out of the Amplified here. He, Abraham, did not weaken in faith when he considered the utter impotence. Now, they use the word utter as an adjective to describe the situation. Hopeless. Utterly hopeless. Right? Extremely. So he did not weaken in faith when he, when he considered the utter impotence of his own body which was as good as dead because he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. 
Verse 20, no unbelief or distrust made him waver or doubtingly question concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong and he was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God. So when God gives you a promise, it's yes and amen no matter what. You got it. Your, 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 your positional statement's got to be yes and amen. I agree with your word. I agree with your promise. Amen to it, Lord. And then you stay in that place and you don't move. Now it's got to be a promise from God. It can't be a promise from another man, right? It can't be God. It can't be a word that someone else gave you that you can stand like that on because that's man's word and it's, it is um, fallible, right? God can't deliver on a man's word. He only can deliver on his word. He can and he will deliver his word, but he can't the, man, the word of another man. So make sure it's God's word. But God gave Abraham a promise, didn't he? Okay. So he did see the facts. I believe that he did see the facts. Because to consider them, um, he had to acknowledge them. Okay. So he did see the facts. He knew in his mind that naturally speaking, they were of the age where conception was impossible. Right? I mean, a hundred years old? Abraham did not live in denial. The Bible makes that clear. But uh, he did not allow that to steal the promise that God gave him. God gave him a promise, and he said, okay, well, I'm going to believe the promise over the factual limitation I have here. Because at first he thought, oh, well, I can make this happen. I'll just go stay a little bit with the, my concubine girl. Bad idea. God said, no, this is going to come through your wife. So you need to stay with your wife. And he did. And Isaac was born. So what Abraham did not do was he didn't allow those facts to overrule and override and completely discourage him from what God said to him. Now, he had to hang on to it for a long time, 25 years. He did not fix his mind and heart on his or Sarah's limitations physically. He made the decision to believe God and the promise made to him by God over the natural facts. He did not base God's ability on the things that he saw or experienced. We can't base God's ability on things that we see. Because there's some things that we see that are like, it, it looks impossible, right? It feels impossible. It looks impossible. But what does God say? What is impossible with man is what? Possible with me. But I have to let go of it. I have to give it to him and I have to let go of it. And the only responsibility I have is to stay in my place 
stay in my place, and hang on to his word. It's my anchor of hope. In the face of these overwhelming odds, Abraham chose to stick with the promise. They were overwhelming odds. We face, some of you are facing overwhelming odds in the house today, but I'm telling you, that's the truth. That's the truth. Leighton and Sharita's baby Lexi was born at 23 weeks, and the doctor said, blah, 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 blah. And all that was not good. But guess what? She's, I don't know, probably 11 pounds by now. Totally healthy, totally whole. There's nothing wrong with her. That's all I'm going to say about that because they're going to share their testimony soon. But what man said was impossible and will never be normal. God said, I have another word to say about that. I have something else to say about that. How many times does man say, well, blah, blah, blah. And we'll agree because, you know, realistically it looks good. Intellectually, I mean, it's, it seems right. I mean, I can't argue. But are we going to agree with the word of the Lord? What does God have to say about it? What does the Lord have to say? So that word stagger, it means to waver. It means to wobble, vacillate, go back and forth. That's why when I talk about this place, it is a place. It is a mentality. It is a mentality. You are not moving. You guys have, for those of you who have kids, you got that, you got that mindset about your kids. Ain't nobody going to hurt my kids. I'm going to protect my child. I mean, you, you even, you know. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Nothing's going to hurt your kids. We've got to be that way about ourselves. Because just like the world wants to hurt you, wants to hurt your kids, the devil wants to take you out. Why are we so willing? Why are we so willing? Why do we give in? Well, it looks overwhelming. Sometimes it's just overwhelming to get up in the morning, right? Or when you look in the mirror, that looks pretty overwhelming. What are we going to do with that today? And then he does something lovely. See what God can do? Look around the room. But seriously, you know, we give in too quickly, perhaps. Perhaps we listen too intently to what man says. And we need to listen to what God says. And the only way that we're going to Hear what he has to say is in that still place. You know, those words to that song, Defender. 
All I have to do is praise. All I have to do is worship. All I have to do is bow down. All I have to do is stay still. It's in that still place where he'll speak to you. He'll infuse you with his strength, with his peace, with his power, with his direction, whatever it is that you need in that still place, in that quiet place. Getting back to that word stagger, to waver, to to wobble. In James chapter 1, verse 7, it says, a man who wavers or who goes back and forth is what? He's unstable in all his ways. In other words, he's a double-minded man, one who can't make a decision. Everybody in this room has dealt with somebody who can't make a decision, and doesn't it just drive you crazy? Make a decision. Where do you want to eat? I don't know. Where do you want to eat? I don't care. Where do you want to eat? Well, I don't know. So I say, you're the picky one. You choose. I don't care. But you know what I'm saying. Just make a decision. Food is food sometimes. But a double-minded man doesn't receive anything from the Lord. You can't be in this place and then, well, it looks really serious, really overwhelming. So you just, you start to waver. You start, like the waves of the sea. You, we can't receive anything from the Lord going back and forth and back and forth. It's a double-minded, double-mindedness. And that doesn't, faith doesn't stick with double-mindedness. Faith only sticks where there's stability and consistency and stillness. Faith doesn't wobble. Right? So, with double-mindedness, there's two opinions. There are two beliefs. There's two ways of thinking. And they're contrary to each other. So there's no agreement. So there's no power. It's void of power. And so when it's like that... Nothing gets in sync and in line to, uh, to line up to get an agreement. That's why you've got to get your mind stabilized and one-minded with the word. And that's what will make you single-minded is the word. Because the more you feed on the word, right, the more it brings you, it brings you in. Instead of being scattered, it brings you in, Right? So, wavering keeps you from receiving God's promises. So, I want to—I really want to jump to this part because this is this is great. I love this. Um, go to go with me to Second um, Corinthians chapter one. Second Corinthians chapter one, verses eight and nine. I want us to look at something here. And this should be an encouragement. This is Paul, and he's writing. And him and his ministry team were out ministering. And this is what he says. For we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about the affliction and the oppressing distress which befell us in Asia how we were so utterly and unbearably weighed down and crushed 
that we despaired even of life itself. Indeed, we felt within ourselves that we had received the very sentence of death. But that was to keep us from trusting in and depending on ourselves instead of on God who raises the dead. For it is he who rescued and saved us from such a perilous death, and he will still rescue and save us. In him we have set our hope and joyful, confident expectation. He will deliver us again. Isn't that good? So Paul went through, as most of us know, he went through some unbearable circumstances. He was beaten unto death. He was beaten within very inches of his life. He endured stuff that we in this room have not endured. And he never got out of his possession. He probably wanted to, like we all want to, because we have that emotion. We have that that comes against us. But he never did. The opportunity knocked at his door, but he didn't open it and walk through it or let it in. He said, no, I'm going to believe God. No, I'm going to believe God. Because he finished his course with joy. Right? He finished. But he, his trust and confidence was in God. He said he's delivered us every other single time and he'll do it again. He'll do it again. He'll do it again. He'll do it again. Well, what he's done here, he'll do it again. He hasn't changed, remember? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But I just love that passage because I was like, yes, yes, you went through hell and you still, God delivered you, God healed you, God raised you up until it was your time, until it was time. And God will do the same with you and I. So let that give you hope. So, the promises of God are yes and amen, and you just have to take them. And you may have to take them by faith today. But as you build the promises, as you read the promises, let them take root in your heart. They'll become real. And you can have that stability and that groundedness that when challenges come, you won't be moved. And remember, you've got your family, the body of Christ, who's here with you, to take you by the arm and say, look, we're doing this together. You're not in this thing alone. We're a family. We're doing this thing together. We're going to see you through. Amen? Just a couple of verses to close. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory, making us conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ. John Lee, you can come. That was 1 Corinthians 15, 57. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 says, But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us into triumph and through us spreads and makes evident the knowledge of God everywhere. You see, God's going to use you to spread his testimony of healing and deliverance. He wants to use you. You're a testimony. You're his example. And Romans 8.37, Yet amid all these things, we are more than conquerors, and we gain a surpassing victory through Jesus Christ, 
who loves us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your word, your word on healing. It is yes and amen. For whatever the struggle, whatever the trial, for whatever the challenge that we're going through today, Father, we say yes and amen to your promise. For you are with us. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. You have loved us with an everlasting, uh, unconditional love. There's nothing that can separate us. Jesus has bore all of our sickness and disease on the cross. And by his stripes, we were healed. Father, we take you.